Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio, so use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial one 877 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to 467369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Saturday, everybody. I'm recording this at 12.27 a.m. here in Tucson. I've watched so much basketball tonight, I can hardly see straight, but it was a highly entertaining night of basketball. We're going to hit on six different games tonight. Knicks Heat, Grizzlies Nuggets, Nets Celtics, Pelicans Warriors, Wolves Lakers, 
and Suns Bulls in that order. So tons to get into. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And last but not least, before we get started, you guys have heard me talk about Game Time, the fastest growing ticketing app In the United States, if you're looking to get out to an NBA game or a college basketball game or an NHL game or a baseball game or a concert, even a comedy show, Game Time has amazing last-minute deals on tickets to all of these. We're about two months away from Dead & Company going on their final tour. My dad uh, raised me on blues, so I've always been a big fan of blues guitar. And John Mayer, you guys probably know him from his mainstream stuff, but the best place to see him play blues guitar is with... The Grateful Dead, and they're doing their final tour this year. I, I have tickets as of right now to go see four of those shows. We'll see how many of them I actually end up making it to. But I highly recommend, if you guys are into that sort of thing, get on game time. Find a ticket to one of those shows. Go find a basketball game to go to. You're going to find a great deal. It's a super easy-to-use experience. The app is great. You know exactly where you're going to be. In general, they're going to take great care of you. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download the game time app, enter your email, and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, enter your, enter your email and the code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So if you were waiting for Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson to cool off, tonight was not that night. On the road in Miami, Randle started red hot. Brunson had it going too, but the Heat made a run in that fourth quarter and uh, actually took a lead on a Caleb Martin three to go up 107-106. And uh, we did a show that uh, went on the feeds yesterday talking about the Knicks. And I told Carson, and I've said this throughout the season, that you know when we're discussing the ceiling for the Knicks, it really is as far as or as high as Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle can take them. If they can produce like offensive superstars, that absolutely changes their ceiling to the same level as the teams that we see at the top of the league. It it all falls on those two guys, just like it does for all the teams at the top of the league. If Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum weren't superstars all of a sudden, the Celtics wouldn't be as good. If Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't play like the best player in the world, the Bucs wouldn't be as good as they are. That top-tier superstar-level production from the players on the best team in the league is what separates them. And Randall and Brunson playing the way they've been playing is exactly why they've been winning the way they've been winning. Um, I wanted to go play-by-play down the stretch of this game just to talk about how Julius Randall and Jalen Brunson pulled this out with that superstar-level shot-making. This was a tough environment. Down the stretch, Julius Randall was getting a steady dose of Jimmy Butler like pressuring the hell out of him, attacking his handle. He even caught Bam at a bio on a specific possession down at the end, which we'll talk about. Um, Jalen Brunson was getting a steady dose of Victor Oladipo. And, you know, Victor has fallen off in a lot of ways, but one of the things he can still do at a high level is guard guards around the NBA. And he had that matchup. Um, but the Heat go up 107-106 on a Caleb Martin three. And down the stretch, every single big important play was Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle making a tough play over good defense. So it's 107-106, and Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson runs a pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson on the right side of the floor. And Bam is kind of in like a high drop coverage, and Brunson comes over the top of that pick, gets downhill, and knocks down a floater in the lane. And you're going to see a chess match kind of take place over the next several possessions. So they get a stop. Knicks are still up 108-107. 
They run that same action, that Brunson-Robinson pick and roll, and this time they switch it. So he's got Bam at a bio on the switch. He actually drives on Bam at a bio, and Bam's defending him pretty well, but out of nowhere, inexplicably, Victor Oladipo leaves Mitchell Robinson to help Bam when he doesn't need help. Julius uh, or Jalen Brunson makes the right read and makes a nice bounce pass in the lane to Mitchell Robinson for a dunk. They're up 110-107. Then Caleb Martin makes a couple of free throws to get it back to 110-109. They go right back down to that exact same action. This time, um, they switch it again, and Bam Adebayo's on Jalen Brunson, but they set a second ball screen with Josh Hart this time to get um, Caleb Martin switched onto Jalen Brunson. And from there, he goes straight ISO and knocks down a really nifty spinning fadeaway over his left shoulder. So you can see that progression of the coverage, right? So like they're in a drop coverage, he gets the floater, that's too easy. So next time they switch, well, they get a basket out of it, but Jalen Brunson knows, eh, well, it was really because Victor Oladipo made a mistake. It's not because I was beating Bam off the dribble. Let's not do that again. So let's run a second ball screen. I like my chances against Caleb Martin better. He gets that spinning fadeaway. Way, knocks it down. That's that. That's that chess match that takes place at the end of games. And for the record, the only t- the only types of players that force defenses to make those types of adjustments are the superstar level players. And and that's the advantage of having players that can warp defenses to that extent. When you have Eric Spolstra having to kind of reach deep into his bag to come up with strategy to slow you down, that's when you know you're performing at a high level offensively. So. They're up 112-109. Jimmy Butler draws a couple of fouls on the next two possessions. He goes three for four. That ties the game. Jimmy Butler was awesome in this game. He's he's such a warrior. I, I tweeted after the game. Like, I, I is are there many players in the league that you'd rather have in the trenches with you in a must-win game than Jimmy Butler? Like, it must be so awesome to be that guy's teammate. Um, but anyway, so it's 112-112, and the Knicks run that exact same action, the Jalen Brunson pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson on the right side. Spolstra's next move, now that this has been a problem, is he just says, screw it, let's get the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands. So they blitz the ball screen, both of uh, uh, Victor Oladipo and Bam Adebayo to start pressuring Ju- uh, Jalen Brunson. He takes a retreat dribble and swings it to Julius Randle. Julius Randle has it in a late clock situation, and he just backs Jimmy Butler down to the foul line, just below the foul line, and knocks down a really nice little left shoulder fade in the lane to put the Knicks back up 114 to 112. The Knicks get another stop. Next possession down, Jalen Brunson doesn't want the blitz. So what's the best way to avoid the blitz? Don't even bring the second defender into the play. He just goes straight ISO on Victor Oladipo, kind of hits him with the hesitation move and gets into the lane and makes a really nice, tough, uh, floating bank shot off the glass to put the Knicks up 116-112. to um, then the Heat go on another run. Bam hits a, uh, gets an alley-oop from Tyler Harrow. Then um, Jimmy Butler gets a putback, screams to the crowd. It's 116-116. There's 103 left. Knicks call a timeout. This is another interesting chess match, uh, chess match piece, here, uh, piece here. So Tom Thibodeau takes Mitchell Robinson out of the game for this possession to go all in on offense, right? This allows Eric Spolstra to put Bam at a bio on Julius Randle now because he doesn't need Julius Randle to contend with Mitchell Robinson on the glass, right? That's, a, that, that's like a little uh, side effect of going to offensive subs as you opened up a bigger defender to put on to Julius Randle. But Randall literally just went right at Bam Adebayo on the right block, backed him down and hit him with that shoulder in his chest and spun over his left shoulder and hits an and one fadeaway on the baseline to put them up 119 to 116. Then the Heat come at him again. Tyler Harrow goes on a personal 4-0 run, puts the Heat up 120 to 119. 
And on the ensuing possession, the Heat trap Brunson again, who throws a bad pass to Julius Randle. He has to like retreat back to half court, bobbles it. He gets it, and he secures the pass with eight seconds on the game clock. And he's out at half court. And he rips through. Jimmy Butler in this situation opts for ball pressure, so he's attacking the hell out of Julius Randle. He's swinging at the ball. He actually picks it clean, but it bounces back to Julius Randle. He somehow composes himself and takes a step-back three on the right wing with Tyler Harrow all up in his grill, and he knocks it down. The toughest shot of the game and the game winner. Time and time again down the stretch of this game, no matter what punch Miami threw offensively to get the lead or to get back into the game, no matter what coverage Eric Spolstra threw at those guys, those two guys made superstar offensive plays every single possessions, uh, possession down the floor. That's what superstars do. They make tough shots over good defense. And why do I talk about that all the time? Because when you get to the playoffs, it's always good defense. You might get lucky and catch a flawed opponent in the first round, but as soon as you get to round two, the rest of the way, everyone's good at it. Everyone's good defensively. And then the deeper you get into the series, they're ahead of all your actions. They've guarded you 70 possessions already in that series, and they know all your moves. And it comes down to good defense and guys having to make shots over that defense. That's why I talk so much about that half-court shot creation. That's why I talk so much about your star talent. You absolutely have to have it. It is a prerequisite to score when you get to the late rounds of the NBA playoffs. And it's super encouraging to see a game like tonight where Miami plays damn near perfect defense down the stretch of the game with good defensive players, but you just go down and make tough shots in their face to win the game. Now, is this recent stretch real from the Knicks? I don't know. We're going to find out when we get to the playoffs, but I can tell you that I'm very excited to find out. And I absolutely think they do have that chance. And I'm again, I want to wait until we get to April, but I'm like, this close to saying that they'd beat the Cavs in that first round series. So we'll see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. All right, let's move on to Grizzlies Nuggets. So uh, Memphis threw one hell of a punch in this game. I was really impressed with their defense. They were swarming Nikola Jokic and did a really nice job rotating on the back line to make sure they didn't give up too many of those wide open threes uh, on the backside of the court. They held that high pa- uh, that high-powered Nuggets offense to just 50 points in the first half. But they also, you know, Denver, to their credit, also battled through that whole stretch, and they did a nice job defending and keeping Memphis in the half court, preventing those fast-break opportunities that they get so frequently. Memphis only had 12 points in transition in this game. It's far cry from the 36 points in transition that they scored against the Lakers on Tuesday. But that's how we ended up in a close game going into the uh, fourth quarter. Excellent Memphis defense, excellent execution from Denver to prevent turnovers and getting out in transition. And then in that fourth quarter, Jamal Murray, who had been kind of locked down uh, by Dylan Brooks for most of the game, finally shook loose, made four shots in the quarter. He had a, and all of them were high degree of difficulty. Two of them on Dylan Brooks and straight ISO, who's one of the best defenders in the league. He had a spinning step back jump shot on the right wing. He had a, a play where Dylan was kind of pressing him on the left wing and he just kind of held the ball out to his right and did kind of like an inverted jab step where he kind of faked like he was going to go left and went into the middle and made like a little push shot. Um, you know, he set up Dylan Brooks really well on an off-ball screen for a curling layup. Like, setting up your man is the key to uh, succeeding in those off-ball situations. He just kind of got physical with him and pushed him out of position and then came off the screen. That was what allowed him to get open. And then he sealed the deal. The dagger was a... Uh, 
a kind of a chaotic play that ended up with him on Xavier Tillman on the left wing, and he just tough shot making, a jab step three right in Xavier Tillman's face, and you combine that with a ridiculous defensive half from the Nuggets. They held the the Grizzlies to just 39 points in the second half, and that's how you end up with a very, very comfortable win against a very good team at home. Revenge for the loss in Memphis, um, I think it was earlier this week or, or last week, I can't remember exactly when. Um, Jokic has another triple-double. He had 18 points on just 10 shots, 10 assists, 18 rebounds. Really quickly on the stat padding stupid storyline that was going around from Kendrick uh, Perkins, I don't really have an opinion on it because it's just wrong. Um, I have never seen a single basketball possession where Nikola Jokic made an unnatural basketball play in pursuit of a stat. I just have never seen it. And like... I haven't seen every single Nuggets games uh, game like Nuggets fans, but I've watched the I, I watched the majority of them because they're one of the teams that I'm covering closely, and I've never seen him do it. When Russ was, you know, Kendrick Perkins was making the point like, "Oh well, everyone called Russ a stat patter." Look, I I didn't I I believe in the legitimacy of Russ's statistical achievement. I thought it was remarkable, but. Yeah, he was doing some janky stuff. I'm sorry. Like, I watched Thunder games where Steven Adams would have a rebound right in front of him and deliberately not grab it so Russ could come in and grab it. Like, that's where that narrative came from. It wasn't from people just hating on Russ. It was what we saw when we watched the games. Like, Russ was doing unbelievable things that year, but he also was going out of his way to accumulate stats. That's not what Nikola Jokic is doing. If anything, I would argue that Nikola Jokic's impact is not properly quantified by a box score. It goes far beyond the box score. I think he's the best offensive player in the league, or right there with Steph, and he took 10 shots tonight. So you're not going to see that type of impact in 18 points on what he does to a defense, warping it and creating quality shots for his teammates. Last thought on that game, uh, Brandon Clark went down with uh, what looked like a lower leg injury uh, early in this one. I really hope he's all right because not only does that suck for him, uh, but that's a very, very important piece for Memphis. So uh, uh, prayers up for Brandon Clark. I hope that he's all right. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. 
Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. It's something that I've always been a big believer in. When Usually when you try to take on a project that you don't know how to do, it ends up just being a bigger headache as you try to learn and then you end up making mistakes and it ends up just not being worth it. Not only can a professional get the job done more efficiently, but you're also supporting local businesses in your area. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience, combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. Angie has cost guides to tell you what others have paid for similar projects both nationally and in your area. The app is free and easy to use. We all know the difficulties that can come with home projects. Angie makes tackling your project as simple as possible from start to finish. Turn to Angie with confidence, even for major renovations or emergency repairs. Are you renting? Even renters can come to Angie for moving installations and cleaning. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Um, Net Celtics. So the Celtics led by 28 in the middle of the second quarter and ended up trailing by 16 in the fourth in what was probably their worst loss of the season. There's two things I want to hit from this game. First of all, switching defense. This is something I've talked about forever and something that I was specifically excited about with this Nets team, which has struggled, obviously, because they don't have a ton of offensive skill. Uh, But they do have a ton of defensive versatility. And, you know, one of the things that I always have loved about switching defense is is the way that they stagnate teams and force them to create off the dribble for themselves against a, excuse me, against a set defense. And they stagnated the hell out of Boston down the stretch in this game. Boston scored just 41 in the second half. And when you look at those lineups, like the primary lineup, Spencer Dinwiddie with Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Nick Claxton, there's just not really an easy target to go after. But again, you, you have to beat switching defenses in one of two ways. You can either use complicated screen actions to try to confuse the switching defense, right? So like... Ghost screens are a great example. There was a play in this particular game where uh, I believe Jalen Brown got a dunk and J.J. Redick, who's obviously one of the best people in our business, I think he's the very best at what he does, um, he did an amazing job breaking down for the people listening to the broadcast how a ghost screen works. And basically, all a ghost screen is, is you take usually a perimeter player, who uh, the ball handler is also a perimeter player, but the screener is a perimeter player, and you have him run just right behind the defender as if he's about to set a screen, but then just run right past him to the three-point line, and you're hoping that those two defenders hesitate or miscommunicate as to whether or not they're supposed to switch. And on this particular play, I think it was Royce O'Neal was guarding the screener, and Royce O'Neal did not switch at all, but the defender guarding Jalen Brown, which I believe is Mikhail Bridges on this play, thought a switch was coming, and Jalen had an opportunity to drive. So you need to use actions like that to try to confuse switching. Another great way to confuse switching schemes is a three-player screening action. So like any t- any sequence of screens that involves three players in rapid succession, because then it's not just a, I take your man, you take my man. It's like, which one of those two guys am I getting? And that guy's thinking the same thing. And that guy's thinking – it just gets – it's 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 like an order of magnitude above the decision-making process of a normal switch, and you can hope to get some mistakes there. But if you're not going to do it through the screening actions, you have to beat the switches 
by applying rim pressure. I talked about this a ton in that Lakers-Mavericks comeback. In the first half of that game, Dallas was switching everything, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis weren't pressuring the rim the way they were supposed to to get the defense in rotation that gets you the open shots. Because, again, in a switching scheme, if as soon as you draw help, now you're playing normal basketball. Now it's drive and kick, extend the advantage, find a good shooter with an open shot or an easy opportunity at the rim. But the only way you're going to draw multiple defenders against a switching scheme is by driving to the basket. If you're taking off-the-dribble jump shots, you're not going to be bringing multiple defenders in. That's when you start to get stagnant, when you're just taking difficult shots over the top of isolation defense and you're not drawing multiple defenders. In the second half of that Mavericks-Lakers game, LeBron James and Anthony Davis just bullied the Mavericks to the basket every single time, and they either scored at the rim or moved the ball around for an open shooter, right? That's the way you have to attack a switching defense, but the Celtics could never regain control of this game. They could never get the requisite rim pressure, and before you knew it, the game was over. Mikhail Bridges in this game went for 38-10-4 and four in eight games since joining the Brooklyn Nets, 25-6-3. 53% from the field, 50% from three, 92% from the line. That's a 67% true shooting percentage, 43% on five pull-up jump shots per game, and two stocks per game. That's steals plus blocks. So not only do you get a big win strategically over a good Celtics team, but Mikhail Bridges continues to flash that high-level scoring. Now, they do have. there's a couple of specific things that he has to work on to get to the next level, to go from being the guy who can score the basketball to the guy who's an all-star. That next step for him is getting to the rim and finishing. He's still low volume at the rim for a wing and low efficiency at the rim for a wing. He's below 70%, and I think he's like 2.2 restricted area makes per game. I always like to see that for wings up above three makes per game and up over 70%. That's where he needs to get to reach that all-star level. And then the other thing is he needs to get better at making plays for his teammates. That assist-to-turnover ratio isn't where it needs to be. But the scoring is real. And when you combine that with what he can do defensively, you know the Nets have a serious star from that Kevin Durant deal. And when you combine that with all the draft compensation and all the other 3 and D wings that they got at the deadline, they're in pretty good shape in the long run, in my opinion. All right, Pelicans-Warriors. So keeping with the trend, the Warriors dug themselves in a 17-point hole before going up by double digits in the fourth quarter for a comfortable win. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to spend too long on this game because Sunday is definitely Warriors-Lakers game uh, day. Uh, since the two of them are playing each other, they will be the focal point of our show on Sunday. And we're going to be going live on AMP right after the final buzzer of that game. Uh, but I wanted to shout out Clay Thompson again. And I know I've done that late, uh, a lot lately. Uh, but he's been incredible, and he's one of my favorite players, and honestly, he just deserves it. Um, he did an absolute number on C.J. McCollum on both ends of the floor down the stretch of this game. Uh, I'm going to go play-by-play uh, play down the stretch like I usually do. So the Pels were up four, uh, middle fourth quarter, on a pretty tough fadeaway from Brandon Ingram on a deep post heel. I think it was over Jordan Poole, if I remember correctly. Uh, then uh, Anthony Lamb hits a, a, a three to get it back to one. And then Clay Thompson checks back into the game. And from there, he demonstrates once again high-level half-court shot creation, which, again, continues to be the revelation of this season for Golden State, one of the main reasons why they've been able to float in the standings despite being down their two best players for most of the season. It's Clay Thompson, half-court shot creation on the basketball 
which is such an unusual thing compared to what we've seen from him over the course of the rest of his career. Uh, so Trey Murphy misses a three, and Murphy's guarding Clay Thompson on the other end of the floor. Again, no point in taking on a better defensive player if you don't have to. He calls for a ball screen from Jordan Poole to get a switch onto C.J. McCollum. As soon as C.J. McCollum switches onto him, he just confidently steps into a 30-foot pull-up three and knocks it down in C.J.'s face to put the Warriors up two. So then Brandon Ingram comes down and he makes a nice play out of a double team that leads to a foul under the basket. Pelicans split the play, uh, split the pair. It's back to a one-point game. Same same thing down the floor. Clay Thompson on the right wing calls for the ball screen to uh, from Jordan Poole to get C.J. McCollum on a switch. Clay Thompson just drives by C.J. McCollum to the right, draws multiple defenders, makes a nice kind of hook pass out to Jordan Poole on the left wing, hockey assist over to Dante DiVincenzo, top of the key, knocks down the three. Again, perimeter initiation is not necessarily about making the assist or making the basket. It's about drawing multiple defenders. It's about getting the defense into rotation. Offensive initiation is about that initial compromising and then you're counting on your teammates to further the advantage and get the great shot. That's what you're asked to do possession after possession after possession. It doesn't always have to be you scoring or making the play. And this was a great example of that. Gets into the lane, draws Herb Jones and help, makes a pass to a kind of open teammate who makes the right, who makes the right play to the wide open teammate who was the original player who helped on Clay Thompson's drive. Uh, so the Warriors were up four at that point. And again, like... Just, just so you guys know, Clay's half-court shot creation has been off the charts all year long. He's 80th percentile in pick-and-roll ball handling this year. That's 1.05 points per possession. He's 91st percentile in isolation. That's 1.2 points per possession in 60 possessions. He's even scored 22 points on 21 post-ups, which is considered above average. And all of those are including passes. This is no longer just, oh, he's doing pretty good for an off-ball player in a small situation when we've needed him. No, no, no. He's actually just been really damn good at initiating offense with the ball in his hands. Um, so tip of the cap to Clay. So uh, from that point, uh, Brandon Ingram makes a, another tough fadeaway. He was Brandon Ingram's so damn good. He makes another tough fadeaway over Dante, gets it back to 98-96, and they go down and Golden State tries to run the exact same play again. And on this play, um, uh, Draymond Green actually loses control of the basketball. And when he loses control of the basketball, that allows Herb Jones to kind of fight through Clay's uh, position and deny the basketball. So then Draymond has to audible and he goes to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole takes like an extremely difficult step back three and misses it. But Dante DiVincenzo, who all year long has been a monster on the offensive glass, just comes flying in. And grabs the rebound and hits Jonathan Kaminga cutting down the lane for a dunk. But from here was what I thought was Clay's best moment of the game. So on a crazy offensive rebound after CJ McCollum misses a pull-up three, uh, Clay Thompson gets switched onto CJ. And CJ tries to ISO Clay, just like Clay's been going to work on him. And Clay literally just completely swallows him up. Just Sits in a stance, arms out wide, sliding with them everywhere. CJ doesn't know where to go. Eventually, CJ literally retreats and goes all the way back out to the top of the key and just throws like an aimless swing pass over to Trey Murphy, who misses the three. They go right back down the floor. Clay Thompson calls for the same damn ball screen from Jordan Poole, gets back on CJ McCollum, and just walks him down to the foul line and takes a step back right in his face and knocks it down to put the Warriors up six, effectively the dagger to win the game. Again, like uh, 
especially when when I'm starting. That's when you really know Clay's back is when he's got that perimeter defense element of his game going. I think he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the league when he's right physically. I've said this before, but I think his individual defense on Jalen Brown in the NBA Finals was one of the huge swing factors that swung things back towards Golden State in games four, five, and six. He's one of the best in the league at that. And to see him doing what he's doing on the basketball too, like I've said before, just just an absolute, just sheer willpower and just a refusal to lose games, allowing them to win five games in a row without Steph again this year. And Steph's coming back against the Lakers on Sunday. Steve Kerr said after the game that he thinks the team has turned a corner, and I agree. I think they're much more poised for a stretch run than they than I would have expected at this point, given the injuries. And man, like if you're a Warriors fan right now, you got to be feeling great about way about the way things are falling into place after how nightmarish this year has been on so many different levels. All right, Grizzlies Lakers. Um, so everything broke right for the Lakers on the schedule tonight. Uh, the Blazers got their ass kicked. The Jazz got their ass kicked. The Pelicans lost. The Clippers lost. So the Lakers had a chance to move into a tie in the loss column for the seven seed, but they had to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I had a feeling they would really struggle uh, in this particular game. Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, as I've talked about so much on this show, are arguably the best two uh, like perimeter defense pairing in the league. And they go through these defensive runs where they can shut down even some of the best players in the league. And when you take LeBron James out of the equation – and D'Angelo Russell out of the equation. And like, here's the thing with D'Lo. Like, I'll be honest, I'm really confused as to how an ankle tweak that he continued to play on is keeping him out for this long. I, I, I mean, I understand it from the standpoint of like he's in a contract year, and I get that he probably wants to be 100% healthy for his own sake, and, and I do understand that, to be clear. But like, it is so unfortunate for the Lakers that he's not available because they cannot beat even play-in level teams with that level of ball handling on the floor. Dennis Schroeder's not good enough. Guys like Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker, they're, they're, I really like Austin Reeves, but you can't have him in this type of high usage role. You need him slotted in a position where he's a little bit more selective, right? Same thing goes with Dennis. He's better off leading bench units, not being your primary guy. And so as soon as D'Angelo Russell's out of the lineup and LeBron James is out of the lineup, everybody is slotted into a position that they're underqualified for, and it's going to go poorly. Like, the Laker guards were in absolute hell tonight against Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. It was, it was an extremely impressive defensive performance from them. Rudy Gobert was awesome. Nas Reed hit a bunch of really important threes. You know, it, it was just – Minnesota's been playing uh, decently well here in their last couple of games – um, uh, but I was really impressed with them on the defensive end of the floor tonight. Um, Anthony Davis, he had 38 points, got to the foul line a ton, but he just, the thing with AD is he can't really manage a basketball game in like a high usage role, the way that some of his peers around the league can. His winning impact when he's alongside that complimentary ball handling star his winning impact is every bit as high as the best players in the league when he's locked in and he's got that complimentary star. But when you take away that complimentary ball handling star, his impact just tanks because he just he can't he's not the guy that can start 
50 offensive possessions in a game. He doesn't dribble the ball well enough. He doesn't pass well enough. He had six turnovers tonight to just two assists. He takes way too many high-difficulty jump shots without necessarily needing to. And it's frustrating because, again, it's like Anthony Davis had 38. How ridiculous do I sound like talking about Anthony Davis having kind of an uneven night when he had 38 points? But that's the Anthony Davis experience. I've been talking about this forever. Like that dude can fill up the box score like nobody's business because of what he does on the glass and his ability to finish around the rim and all of that stuff. But like for whatever reason, like I'm sorry, but it, like I always say Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the world when he's right. If I take one of the best players in the world, healthy and right, and I drop him into that game, he's winning that game. Giannis is winning that game against Minnesota. You know, like I even think Jason Tatum has a chance to go win that game against Minnesota. It's just because he's a perimeter initiator. Like that's the thing that's tough with Anthony Davis is like he is absolutely one of the guys but he absolutely has to be next to a complimentary ball handling star to unlock that level of winning impact. Like if D'Lo doesn't play on Sunday, I don't think they can beat the Warriors either, even at home. Yeah, it's just too hard to do without the requisite ball handling. All right, lastly, before we get out of here tonight, Suns Bulls. Um, so, I, and I only watched the first quarter of this game, so we're not going to talk too much about it. Suns pulled away late, uh, beat the Bulls by 21. KD was plus 24 in 31 minutes. Uh, but I have two takeaways that I wanted to get into. First of all, I liked how much switching the Suns did. They switched every single action that involved Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton. And th the Bulls scored on them a few times. Like De uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan hit a couple of pull-up jump shots on DeAndre Ayton. Vucevic had like a deep seal, little hook shot over Kevin Durant. Uh, but it takes Chicago out of the flow of their offense. Like again, with switching, it's always a give and a take. You're going to give some easy shots and some matchups. You're going to give up some offensive rebounds. There are going to be some miscommunications. But the upside is, is you take an NBA offense that is used to a certain rhythm and flow and you completely screw that up. And now all of a sudden it forces them to play, like we talked about earlier about the Nets and the Celtics, a specific type of switch attacking offense. And it throws a lot of teams out of whack. And so I like to see that the Suns aren't leaning too heavily on drop coverage and they're doing some switching with their front court players. That I thought was encouraging. The other thing I really liked uh, was just how many easy shots that specifically Devin Booker got off the ball because the Suns were running a lot of their actions with Kevin Durant in the action, which I thought was interesting because I've talked a lot about how I expected him to be more off ball. But Booker got some wide open catch and shoot threes earlier in this game. And I think that's a big part of why he went for 35. Like I, I always talk about like building your rhythm. Like if if you're a tough shot maker, um, like in my as I've gotten older, I've worked really hard on on off the dribble shooting. And so like most of the guys in town like are expecting me to take a certain amount of, you know, fadeaways over both shoulders or step back threes or, or pull up twos or pull up threes off the dribble. But like if I go into a game and just right at the start, just start taking really difficult fadeaways and step back threes, like it's going to be, I'll, I'll be lucky to make a bunch of them and get into a rhythm. But if I build my rhythm by attacking the rim or getting a couple of catch-and-shoot threes in the flow of the offense to where I feel good about myself and I feel like I have my touch dialed in and then I take a fadeaway or a step back, that shot has a higher percentage chance of going in. We talked about this a lot with Paul George yesterday with Carson, but you want to build your rhythm with easy shots and then take 
the tougher shots. And, and that's what's so scary about this Phoenix offense in particular. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, these guys are all going to get a boatload of easy shots within the flow of the offense that are going to help bolster their rhythm. Those rhythm builders are going to help lead to more explosive scoring nights like Devin Booker having 35 tonight. The Suns have a couple more easy games before they get into that tough stretch like we talked about. I think it's uh, Sacramento and then Golden State and then Milwaukee. That's going to be when we learn the most about them. All right, guys, that's all we have for tonight. We're going to be covering, I think it's, uh, is it Sixers-Bucks tomorrow night? Uh, so Sixers-Bucks tomorrow night, we're going to be covering as part of that show on Sunday when we talk Lakers-Warriors. So keep an eye on uh, my Twitter feed. I'll keep you posted as to when we'll go live, but it's going to be right after the final buzzer of Lakers-Warriors. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I'll see you on Sunday. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.